everybody, welcome back to Words About Biology. I bet you thought that I disappeared off the face of the earth, and um, maybe I did a little bit, but now I'm back. Um, I'm hoping for the new year to be here with a new episode every two weeks or so. And this week, I will be talking to you about um, something that the FDA has recently approved, which are gal-safe pigs. Now, gal-safe pigs are a genetically modified pig, and this approval is a big deal um, because it's the first time that a genetically modified mammal has been approved for both human consumption and the use in human biomedical products. First, I was going to give you guys a brief history of genetically modified livestock, and then we'll dive in specifically to the gal-safe pigs, what they are, what they do, and all that good stuff. Over the past 30 to 40 years, there have been a lot of advancements in biotechnology, and these advancements have allowed scientists to alter the genetic makeup of bacteria, plants, and animals. Um, I'm not going to discuss the ethics of these practices here today. However, I will say that I'm obviously pro-science and generally pro-GMO. For the purpose of this discussion, whenever I say genetically modified or GM, I will be meaning intentionally modified in the lab. I know these terms can also apply to crops and animals resulting from selective breeding, but for today, when I say genetically modified, I mean done by scientists in the lab. As you may know, genetically modified crop use is widespread. Most of these strains that are planted today have been created to resist pests and disease, resist browning, such as potatoes and apples that have been made so that they do not have a brown appearance when left out, and mostly this is to avoid food wastage because the food still is good. Modifications have also been done to increase the nutritional value of a food or for the crops to resist stress, for example, drought, frost, or high soil salinity. As far as animals go, the first genetically modified animal to be commercialized was the glowfish. And the glowfish is a zebrafish, so a very tiny fish that a lot of people keep as a pet. And they were modified with green fluorescent protein, or GFP, which actually comes from a jellyfish and makes them glow this green color, as you may have guessed. Glowfish have also been produced with other fluorescent genes, which generally come from other sea animals. The first genetically modified animal approved for human consumption was the Aqua Advantage salmon. Now, I know I said at the beginning that the gal-safe pigs were the first mammal approved. This was the first animal being a fish. These salmon are a breed of Atlantic salmon that have an altered growth hormone regulation gene. So its own gene has been replaced with that of the Pacific Chinook salmon, along with a different promoter sequence. And this change allows the Aquavantage salmon to grow year-round instead of only growing in the spring and summer, which the native animals do. 
meaning that these fish reach the market weight in approximately 16 to 18 months, as opposed to the usual three years. Now, there are many other areas of research as far as genetically modified livestock that are being explored, but have not yet been approved for use. Uh, For example, we have created goats that produce milk containing silk protein, And this is the silk protein that spiders produce in spinning webs. Now, as you might be able to imagine, farming this silk from the spiders themselves is very difficult. So they created goats that produce the silk protein. And this material is useful because it's very strong for its size. So there are a lot of potential applications for this silk protein in textiles, including the use in bulletproof vests. Another genetically modified animal that I would be remiss to not bring up is the Enviropig. Now, of course, I say this because the Enviropig was developed at the University of Guelph, which is where I went for both my undergraduate and graduate studies. The Enviropig was designed with the environment in mind, as you might have guessed from the name. It includes a phytase gene, which is not usually present in pigs, meaning that these pigs digest phosphorus better, which reduces the environmental impact of these animals. In cows, we have developed both cows that produce human lactoferrin, which is not usually in cow milk, but is in human breast milk and is required for infant growth, as well as polled cattle. So cattle that are born without the gene for developing horns As you can imagine, having horned cattle can be a dangerous situation for farmers, and usually they would pull their own cattle through a mildly distressing procedure. So having cattle born without horns is just a lot easier on them and on the farmers. So now let's get back to the gal-safe pigs. So what are they? So they're called gal-safe because they are a line of domestic pigs with an intentional genomic alteration to eliminate alpha-gal sugar on the surface of the pig's cells. So why do we want this? It's because of a syndrome called alpha-gal syndrome. It has been recently identified as a food allergy to red meat and other products made from mammals. It was first reported in 2002 and most often results from a bite from a tick. Alpha-gal, or galactose alpha-1,3-galactose, is a carbohydrate found on most mammalian cell membranes, except for primates, including humans. Tick bites, and likely bites from specific breeds of ticks, transfer this carbohydrate to the victim that the tick has picked up from cattle or sheep that it has previously bitten which has been implicated in the development of an allergic response to alpha-gal on mammalian meat products. Work published in 2011 confirmed this immune response, but no one is sure exactly what substance in the tick's saliva is responsible. These gal-safe pigs were created by a company called Revivicor. Work began in the early 2000s at Revivicor, which at that point was part of PLL Therapeutics, which is the same company that produced the first cloned animal, Dolly the Sheep. They started by creating pigs with a disruptive alpha-galactosyltransferase gene by homologous recombination. Now this is the gene that synthesizes alpha-gal. 
So what does it mean when I say by homologous recombination? This means that they introduced a section of DNA that closely matched the native alpha galactotransferase gene and the surrounding area, but with a dysfunctional alpha galactosyltransferase. Because of the similarity of the sequences, during the process of DNA replication, there is a chance that the inactive sequence is incorporated by the cells in place of the active sequence. Now they did this procedure using fetal fibroblast cells and then transferred the nucleus into an oocyte that had had its own nucleus removed. So moving the altered DNA into an oocyte cell. They then took this oocyte and implanted it into a young female pig. This created healthy piglets containing the disrupted gene and lacking alpha-gal on their cells. Now, as I said earlier, these pigs are the first genetically modified mammal to be approved by the FDA for both food and biomedical purposes. Now, you might be thinking, oh, it's, it's so great. These people who have alpha-gal syndrome can now eat pork. And that's true. However, there are other implications to this research. As you may know, pigs are one of the most similar physiologically and physically to humans. So it is common for us to look at pigs as a potential donor for organs or valves or body part replacements for humans when we can't find an appropriate human donor. However, this alpha-gal on the surface of their cells is what leads to humans rejecting the donor organs. Products from gal-safe pigs could be used in human medical products without eliciting this immune or rejection response. For example, we could harvest heparin from them, which is a blood thinner, or as I stated, organ and valve transplants. In fact, Revivacor, which is the company that created the GalSafe pigs, has stated that its aim is to develop, and I quote, superior quality, high volume, human compatible alternative tissue sources. So really, their goal with these GalSafe pigs was to use them in a biomedical way and not just for human consumption. This also sets a precedent for the approval of additional genetically modified livestock, which could benefit society. So what do you think? Would you eat GalSafe pig products? Would you accept an organ from a GalSafe pig donor? I think it's a pretty exciting prospect and could be very useful, especially when there are often shortages for life-saving organ transplants. I personally would have no problem receiving a transplant from a GalSafe pig. If you're looking for more information on the science of what I've talked about today, there are two major papers by the group at Revivacor that I gathered this information from. The first paper was published in 2002 in Nature Biotechnology. It's by Dai and colleagues, and it's titled Targeted Disruption of the 1,3-Galactosyltransferase Gene in Cloned Pigs. The second article, also by the group at Revivacor, is authored by Phelps and colleagues. It was published in 2003 in Science and is titled Production of Alpha-1,3-Galactosyltransferase-Deficient Pigs. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I will have links to both of these articles up on the blog post that accompanies this podcast, and you can find that at 
wordsaboutbiology.wordpress.com. I'm also in, on Instagram at wordsaboutbiology, all one word. See you guys next time. Bye.